0: This is our fourth and final session trying to understand the prophecy of Micah 5.2. And we've looked at it in its wider context in the book of Micah. And we have looked at it in itself with its pieces. And then we looked at the completion of the promise. And in this session, I want to actually compare it To the way it's quoted in Matthew. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So, Father, as we compare the Old Testament wording of this prediction to its New Testament quotation, grant us understanding for the implications that Matthew wants us to see. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Here's the context of Matthew 2, and then I'll put the two verses on a slide by themselves. When Herod the king heard This He was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes, that's going to be significant, of the people. He inquired of them where the, where, that's the issue, where the Christ was to be born. They told him, answer, Bethlehem of Judea. So there's the answer, and now here's the basis. For, so it is written in the prophet, and then he quotes Micah. Micah 5.2 And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now here are the two texts. I want you to see the differences, and then we'll try to come up with some kind of explanation for why they exist. This is right here is Micah, and then Matthew is here. You, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, instead of Ephrathah, in the land of Judah, who are too little, very little, little to be among the clans of Judah, who are by no means least among the rulers, rulers, instead of clans of Judah. This is virtually the opposite of this. So it seems. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. For from you shall come a ruler. So you have this logical connection put between this and this which did not exist in the Hebrew or the Greek Old Testament, and for me is left out here. Finally, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. That's entirely omitted. Instead, who will shepherd my people? Israel, which is taken probably from the succeeding verses where it says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in Micah 5.3. So nothing unusual about that except for the omission of all of this. Now what common thread could explain those changes? Virtually every commentator that I read Tries to explain this in terms of Matthew's use of the Old Testament with paraphrases and adjustments to bring out true meaning as Matthew wants us to see it. Now, here's, here's my problem with that. That may be right. I could be wrong about this. I'm just going to give you another alternative. These are not the words of Matthew directly. These are the words of the chief priests and the scribes. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired. And they told him in Bethlehem. As is written. And then come the words of the chief priests. So, this is unusual. Matthew doesn't ordinarily quote the Bible, the Old Testament, in the mouth of people who don't know how to read the Old Testament. Now, if you say, whoa, 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 where did you get that? It runs all through the Gospel of Matthew that the Pharisees and the scribes and the chief priests cannot read. They don't know how to read the Old Testament. Consider, here's Matthew twenty-one, fifteen to 16. When the chief priests and scribes, that's the same group that are quoting the Bible to Herod. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus did, he did. And the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Like, don't you read your Bible? I mean, that's, an, that's a very offensive way to talk to the experts of Old Testament scholarship, right? Have you never read? What an insult. You act like you've never read Psalm 8. And that is Jesus' opinion of these people's ability to read. Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have a pre- prepared praise, Or consider Matthew 15. The Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And he answered them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your traditions? That's what they do. They, they take the Bible and they twist it, and break it to make it fit the tradition. So, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the Word of God. The scribes don't know how to read the Bible. That's Matthew's point over and over again. Consider Matthew twenty eighteen. See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, the same group that are quoting their Bible about the Messiah in Matthew 2, and they will condemn him to death. That's how well they understand their Bibles. They condemn the fulfillment of Scripture to death. Now, if those are the ones who are making the changes here, and why would we first assume it's Matthew? Since he's not giving his own quotation here, he's giving the scribes and, and uh, chief priests quotation. So I'm going to operate on the assumption, until I have good reason otherwise, that the changes were made by the chief priests and scribes, not Matthew. That's different from almost every commentary you'll read. And I don't know why they don't, at least explain why they don't go this direction. So you ponder this because you know that I'm out of step with a lot of people here and I don't want you to take my word for it. Just think about it. So these are the words right here coming from the scribes and Pharisees. Let's just think about the changes they've made. What have they muted? What have they not wanted to say? They don't say Ephrathah. Not a big change, but they replace it with the whole land of Judah, something more noble, more historic, more, I mean, the land of Judah over against Israel was the, was the favored land, right? The favored part of the two kingdoms. So they stick that in. And understand now, I'm just trying to make sense out of this. I don't have any authority for saying why they said this. I'm just saying they did. And maybe it's because Ephrath uh, is part of this little insignificant Bethlehem. Because here, they turn the wording of Micah upside down. Micah says, you're too little among the clans. And here it says, oh, by no means are you too little among the clans. Upside down. No. And, and the reason this is significant is because the logic here They add the word for to show that the coming of the ruler is the ground for what went just before, and they can't make sense out of this logic. This is, I think, the key thing. They don't like it. Maybe they can make sense out of it, but they don't like to say, when the Messiah comes as the ruler in Israel. He will come from an insignificant place. He will be a man of lowliness, a man of poverty. He will be born in a manger. He'll be celebrated by shepherds, not kings. He'll be from a no-count town called Bethlehem, a little one. It'll be a little clan, and they turn it right on its head and make that this right here, the reason. You can't have a ruler coming from a no-count town. It has to be a town of significance for the logic of their lives to work. Consider that. Who will shepherd my people Israel? Not a problem with that. Shepherd often fits with ruler. That's what rulers do in the Old Testament. They shepherd their people. And this summarizes the next verses. But It omits this, just canceling out this. Why would they do that? I don't know. I don't know. But maybe this suggests a kind of mysterious, surprising kind of deity, maybe, that they just couldn't handle. So all of that, in a sense, is speculation. Here's what I do know. All these changes have been made in Micah. They've been made in the mouth of chief priests and scribes. And throughout the book of Matthew, Matthew says they don't know how to read their Bible and misuse it almost all the time. So, is it a stretch to say that what Is happening here when they quote this is this. They get the main point right, and that sets the whole story in motion. Bethlehem is where the Messiah is to be born, and almost everything else they get distorted. And Matthew is preparing us that when we hear the teachings of the chief priests and the scribes, We should be ready from the get-go in the beginning of this gospel to realize they're going to get almost everything wrong.